this one's going to come out in about probably in about a month in about a month's time yeah so we may even like be back to normal by then <laughs> what are the chances of that I doubt it yeah you never know Armageddon might be over yeah we're the sea in it <laughs> we might be yeah, we might be fully locked down by now we don't know god knows what's gonna zombies. happen zombies yeah. there might be a zombie outbreak man you never know do people still exist <laughs> <laughs> everything's down the system's gone yeah podcast, <laughs> podcasts don't exist anymore yeah finish the last podcast this could potentially be the last one this is it that's a title for a movie the last podcast <laughs> um all right so all of you out there if you are still listening to this if the world hasn't fallen apart by the time this is aired welcome to inspect yeah and in this episode <laughs> we're going to talk about our favorite mac utility apps yeah yeah so um we love the mac we've both been on the mac for many years we both use um macbook pros and um yeah there's loads of little utility apps uh for the mac so mm. you know this list is not going to be exhaustive at all there's only got about 10 on the list but uh these are just some of the cool ones that we use and we use on the daily basis yeah all right cool um why don't you kick us off okay um uh i listen to you know a lot of music when i'm um on the mac or you know when i'm working on the macbook and doing you know, when i'm working or you know when i'm not working just browsing the web and i've got an uh, mp3 folder where you know all my music stored in you know subfolders and everything and what i do with those is i kind of set up my playlist within an app called vox and you know the a lot of people out there might know about this one and it's a nice little music app and very lightweight and i just generally just use that to play um my my playlist that i've got set up and folders that i've got set up in my music folder and i've got quite an extensive um, library of music so you know i find it, it works really well yeah and um i think the key thing for me that it is lightweight it doesn't cause any kind of issues and there's nothing on there that doesn't need to be there it does what you know what it says and it's so easy to use and you just let i just leave it on in the background yeah i i've got vox as well and i, I don't use it as much these days because i've got a spotify premium account and i tend to yeah use spotify for almost everything um but one thing i do like about vox is how you can um hook up your soundcloud account to it as well and you can yeah you you've can, got those kind of little plugins yeah yeah so you can pull in your soundcloud feed directly into vox so you don't have to have the soundcloud website open uh which is quite nice because you can mix those soundcloud tracks in and amongst your your you know actual music library uh and you can hear all sorts of new music new and unreleased music um in between your exactly normal yeah and i think the other reason why i use it, i mean i've got a spotify premium account and the thing is with spotify i've got playlists and things and there's no real kind of organization there it's just stuff that i kind of like find and i'll click all this stuff recommended to me and, and that changes all the time which is cool but with the music library that i have you know i've got a you know really extensive list of music you know going back you know like 80s 90s kind of hip-hop r&b you know old school garage jungle drum and bass and it's all organized really well so Every now and then, you know, I'll just drop the folder into Vox and, you know, take myself back in time with my music playlist. So it's cool that way. Yeah. Uh, especially if you've got a big extensive list of music, then yeah, no ideal. Nice. Ideal that. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I recommend it too. It's a good app. Um, okay, mine is also sort of music related. Um, it's called Spot Menu and um, it's an app to be used in conjunction with spotify and uh, basically all it does is it creates a little icon in your menu bar and um 
it tells you what the currently playing song is because Spotify doesn't have any sort of mini player or any sort of notifications when songs change. Yeah, that's handy. And that's that's one thing I like about Vox and other music players is just that notification when the track changes Mm. and it just tells you what's currently playing. And I just I just don't understand why Spotify haven't added that. It's probably it sounds like a very simple feature. Um, I'm sure it is, uh, but I'm sure there's a, probably a reason why they don't. Um, but Spot Menu is pretty good, and it, you can have it running in just an icon mode. So uh, you have to then click on it to show what song it is, or you can have it um, show the track name or the artist and the track. Um, you can show the time, um, current play position. And all sorts. And then when you do click on the icon, you can see a, um, the cover art as well. And then you get like a little mini player as well. Right. Um, the only downside of it is it doesn't automatically launch when you open Spotify. So it's you have to always remember to open it separately. Um, okay. Yeah, it'd be good if there was a way of having some sort of hook from Spotify to automatically launch the app. So if anyone is out there who can probably hack that together... Um, Spot menu is on GitHub, um, so there's obviously opportunity to fork the app and modify it, and you know it's an open source app. Contribute to it; that'll be a, a nice feature to add. Yeah, yeah, so it's good. Spot menu. Yeah, my my next one I've got um, on the list is uh, Lightshot, um, and I think everyone's got their own um, you know specific type of screenshot tool. On, on the MacBook because there's loads out there I know you use something else I can't remember what it was that you used oh, it's in the um, list it's coming up oh there it is yeah yeah so I'm using Lightshot and it works really well it's so fast it's quick you can do a screenshot of your whole workspace of you know you can outline a certain portion of the screen and to screenshot that you can add comments and notes uh, you can create like a diagram using a mouse or your drawing tablet and then you can either save it down as a file or you can upload it and uh, you know, it gets uploaded to the cloud and then it creates like a, a link for you as well, which you can share with people. And that works really well for me because um, I've got, you know, clients who need to be told um, where to find certain things within, you know, their WordPress dashboard or the admin of their website or things like that. And then it helps me, you know, really well to, you know, screenshot certain things, explain stuff, you know, with a diagram on the actual screenshot itself. And then just fire it across to them. And it just makes life a lot easier for me when I'm working with clients. So, yeah, light shots uh, is a good one, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, the one I'm using for screenshots is called Monosnap. Um, okay. Again, very similar to Lightshot. Uh, but one of the cool features about Monosnap is once you take a screenshot, uh, and you can take a screenshot of the you know the whole screen, um, just a portion or an actual app window as well, a specific app window, and once you've taken it, it drops that screenshot onto this onto a canvas within Monosnap. Um, it's got its own little UI that pops up. And then there's right. an option to add another screenshot. And if you click that button, it basically hides the Monosnap UI, takes you back to, you know, wherever you are working. And then you can take another, you know, draw another screenshot and it puts that same that second one onto the same canvas so it's a good way to sort of compare oh, okay. compare two different things or you know take a screenshot of one state of your you know if you're let's say you're mocking up a website or something you can uh, take a screenshot of version 1 and make a few changes and then take a screenshot of version 2 and have them both side by side on the same canvas and then you can annotate them you know with arrows and text and and all sorts 
So that's quite a cool feature which I use now and then. Um, and the other thing I like about it is that it has a blur tool. So if you are taking a screenshot of something which may have sensitive information, you can just quickly blur it out. And um, it's uh, it's got like an undo history. So if you blur something and then go and draw, you know, draw some annotations and stuff like that, you can then go and unblur. You know, you can go and step back to any point in history and, and undo that bit. Um, so that's why, yeah, that's why I use Monosap. And it's pretty good. Um, it just launches on startup, runs in the background. It doesn't have any anything that gets in your way cool yeah yeah i might look into that one yeah yeah it's good i mean i haven't used lightshot in a, in ages so maybe lightshot has sort of caught up uh with monosnap and may have some of these features um yeah it might have i've not explored it completely but they are the, the basic things are there um don't know about the blur tool that sounds pretty handy though yeah because the default um mac uh screenshot utility mm. it doesn't have any option to blur um i think it was in mac os high sierra maybe when they sort of revamped the screenshot tool um and then you can you can open it up you can take a screenshot and then open it up in the preview app and then you can annotate it but yeah. i still don't think there's a blur option in there which is really handy um so uh yeah check out monosnap yeah definitely i'll have a look at that um the next one i've got on my list is a uh, handbrake which we've mentioned before on a previous episode and uh, it's a video encoding um, app that I use um, and again it's uh, it's really handy when I'm um, recording um, sort of like video tutorials on how to perform certain tasks on let's just say WordPress or Shopify um, I've got to explain to the client you know how to create a new product or how to create a category or you know carry out any kind of task on their website um, what I'll do is I'll record the, the video um, and then once that's recorded, I'll export the file. And then that file is usually really big. And then what I'll do is I'll import that file into Handbrake and then, you know, optimize the file size and everything and just export it out and share, share the video, the end result uh, with the client. Um, and then also clients send me some videos of themselves, interviews, uh, video shots that they've taken of maybe products and, you know, dental studios um, client that i dealt with recently and then i'll kind of like you know do some real you know basic editing for them and kind of put the videos together using handbrake and it works really well it's re really si simple to use you know it's it's not on the level of you know some of the more you know um professional kind of video editing suites or video encoding suites like you know premiere and that kind of stuff but it, it does uh it does work really well um and you know, i find it handy I think it's one of the most popular encoding apps anyway, um, maybe apart from Adobe Media Encoder, which is part of the you know Creative Cloud. I used to use that. Yeah, when I was on a Windows-based platform, I used that one a lot, Yeah, the Adobe one. But this one, it works really well. The only thing, the only issue I have with it is the UI isn't great. Oh, it's horrible. Um, yeah, it needs to be revamped Yeah, uh, badly, uh, apart from that. You know, the functionality is what matters with it, and that's that's, that's what it does. You know, it functions really well. Yeah. I mean, if you are just encoding video, it may be worth checking out FFmpeg, which is a command line utility, but mm. it's not the most user-friendly command line um, interface. It's, uh, you, you definitely need to refer to the documentation every time you use it. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> well, you can set up some aliases, I guess, but it'd be good if there was a... You know, like um, a little UI built for FFmpeg. Um, yeah. I'm sure there is, but anyway, Handbrake is pretty good. Yeah, I've got a couple of other video ones as well. Um, one that I use is 4K Video Downloader. 
um, pretty obvious what that does. Um, mm-hmm. It's for downloading video in high res. And um, you can download from YouTube, from Vimeo, and you know various other sort of online platforms. Um, mm. It's a it is it is free, but I think with the free version you have a limit on what you can download. Um, so it's worth buying. It's not not expensive. I can't remember how much it was. Uh, I bought it quite a few years ago. And um, one thing I do like about it is that you can download full YouTube playlists. So you just put in the playlist URL and it'll download all the videos into whichever format you choose. You can do it in like uh, a few different resolutions of video or you can do audio only as MP3. Right. Okay. And um, with the playlist, it just drops all of them into a, into a folder. Nice, uh, mm. nice, neat thing to watch online or watch offline then. You know, if you're going to get into a flight mm. or something, it's quite handy. No, that is, yeah. Yeah. And then another one is um, similar to previous screenshot thing is... Um, called cap which is k-a-p and that's basically a mini it's like a screen recorder for doing screencasts but it allows you to export to mp4 or to gif so i use cap a lot when i'm creating little little screen captures for twitter because um when you upload a video to twitter it's uh it the 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 UI that it plays in within the Twitter app is quite small. But if you upload the same thing as a GIF, then it it expands to its full resolution. So that's just a little tip. You know, if you're if you're sharing something short, share it as a GIF rather than as a video. And um, you know, Twitter doesn't um, restrict its dimensions as much as it does with video, so you can get a nice right. big zoom. So if I'm, I was looking for an app like that that does that does exactly what you just said it does and. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know where to start looking for that for that kind of application. Well, so I want to have a look into that. It's a one. good thing you're listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Cap K A P uh, is cool, and obviously the show notes will have all links to all these apps in them as well. Cool. All right, I'll have a look at that one. Um, my next one uh, is a Magnet, um, and this one's really handy. Uh, it's a workspace organization tool, and uh, it's really handy if you've got. Um, you know, if you've got a big monitor that you're working on and you, you usually have a lot of windows open, there's a lot of stuff going on on that screen at the same time. What, what this um, app lets you do, it lets you um, make your windows sticky, if you like, or magnetic. And what they'll, what they'll do is they'll kind of stick themselves to either the top, the left, the right, or the bottom of your monitor um, and against other windows as well. So it has like these sort of preset sort of uh, layouts in there. So you can have a grid like a two by two. You can have like you know um, six columns across the, the monitor. You can have you know different sort of sizes and things like that. So you can create these presets. You can save them, and you can sort of like roll through those to. So you might want to have like a the top right one could be like a I don't know, like your Netflix um, application. So you could be watching Netflix in the top right corner in really small window, and then you can have your email you know application open slightly bigger on the left. And then you can have something else opening at the bottom. So little things like that. And I was thinking about, you know, organizing this stuff. You know, it, it becomes a bit of a nightmare when you're just, you know, manually doing it with the mouse. You know, opening windows, making them slightly smaller. Um, but this just makes life so much easier. And I've actually paid for it. So I can't remember how much it was. It wasn't that much. Um, I will put these in the show notes as well. But it, it's really handy uh, for organizing that workspace on your desktop. Can you save presets of um, your your layouts 
I believe you can, yeah. That'd be handy because um, one thing I do like to do when I'm doing some sort of development, especially if I'm running Webpack or Gulp or something like that, you know, I like to have my terminal window visible. I don't always need it visible for most yeah. tasks, but when, I'm, when I've got a task runner running, I like to have it visible so I can see if there's any errors happening on the fly. And um, yeah. yeah, I'm always like, you know, playing around, especially if I'm uh, at work and then I come back home because I've got different monitors, different resolutions. You know, the setup that I have at work on that monitor w- won't be the same as I've got at home. So it'd be good, you know, sometimes I do just want, like, my browser to take up about 70, 60 to 70% of the screen and then just have a small terminal in the corner and then maybe a small, um, you know, like a Slack window or something in the other corner or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll it works really out. when you've got shortcuts there as well. And, you know, it... It just utilizes, you know, every, you know, pixel that you're working with. And it works really well on, um, so if you've got a monitor that you can, you know, rotate that you might use vertically, for example. So you might be, you know, working in like stock market, you know, a market analyst and or something like that. Yeah. And they tend to use their monitors in a vertical sort of setup. It works really well with that as well. So it is really handy. So nah, uh, definitely worth having a look into. Nice, nice. And trying um, out, I yeah. use something similar to that. Uh, probably not as feature rich as what Magna is, but I use an app called Better Snap Tool. And um, okay, basically, I I got hold of this app just to achieve one thing, and that was to replicate the the Windows behavior of when you drag a an application window to the left, right, or top of your screen. And on Windows, you drag it to the left, it snaps to half the screen, and then you can you know, same with the right, and you drag it to the top and it becomes full screen. And uh, that's exactly what this app does. And I use this so much that whenever, for any reason, this app is not running uh, in the background, uh, like, you know, if I've shut it down by accident or something always crashed, whatever, Um, or if I'm on someone else's machine, I just feel lost without it because I use this constantly. Um, The main thing I do is I like to run most of my apps full screen, uh, even on you know, a fairly high-res monitor. I like everything to be full screen most of the time. Um, mm. I've never really been this type of person that tiles windows, apart from that scenario where I was just explaining about having the terminal window open. But generally, I like everything yeah. full screen. So, yeah, I just whenever I launch um, Firefox or whatever, I just drag it, grab the top of it, and drag it straight up towards the menu bar, and then it just automatically becomes full screen. So, really handy. It's nice, nice little app. Uh, I don't think it's free, um, but yeah, it's just one of those things. For me, it's pretty essential. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's got a bunch of presets in there as well, so you can have like mm. um, certain layouts. Uh, but by default, you have like top uh, and then top, left, right, and then you have the four corners. Um, so you can have up to four apps on the screen at one time if you use the four corners. But you can add more as well, so you can have like you know a third of the screen if you want. But I just use it out out the box how it is. Cool, no, that's good. My next one, um, it's uh, it's called uh, Splashtop, and it's um, basically a remote desktop um, application. So it just allows you to uh, get access to a remote computer or a remote laptop or you know your client's computer. And just to control it and just gain access to stuff, really. And this came about from a client because um, we used to use TeamViewer to do the same thing, so remote desktop sort of functionality. 
And this kind of um, the, one of my clients, you know, sent me an email. Said, "Look, I'm not using TeamViewer anymore because of you know whatever reason. Um, but Splashtop works really well. So why don't you just you know download it and uh, we'll do our remote desktop session that way." And I so I got hold of it, downloaded it, and it, and it works really well on the Mac. And I actually do quite like it. So whenever I am doing a remote desktop session, that's what I'm using now. I, I, I'm not using TeamViewer anymore because uh, I find TeamViewer sort of kicks you out sometimes. It, it freezes as well. Um, and I find that a lot with Windows machines. So if I'm remote desktop, you know, um, connected to a Windows machine, I do find that it freezes and then it will just cut off randomly. And if the client's disappeared, you're kind of stuck at that moment. So it's like, you know, how do I reconnect and all that kind of stuff. But with this one, I've not experienced that at all. And I use remote desktop at least once, twice a week. Uh, so it's one of the things out there that I'm using and it works really well. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, is, it is good. And I think it's available on um, on PC now as well. When I got it, it, I don't think it was. I think it was just like a Mac sort of solution. Um, but I think it's available on all platforms. Cool. Um, I don't really do much remote access stuff, so not something that I'd have a use for, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that do. Yeah, I, I get it a lot. I get, I get clients who, you know, they just absolutely stuck with, you know, setting something up let's say for example on their website they want to create um, a new product when they're using shopify they just don't know what they're doing so i'll kind of like you know just connect to the machine show them exactly how to do you know that particular task and then they'll get you know they'll understand it there and then and and it works for them that way it's better than just being on the phone and explain to them or writing an email you know they can see it in front of them actually happening it, you know just saves a lot of time and hassle so um yeah, it just it works well for that, and I'm I'm finding myself using it quite a bit because if I write an email out to explain, you know, instructions on how to carry out a task like that, it'll just you know it'll kill kills part of my day, and you know they might misunderstand something you wrote in the email, then they'll try and phone you up, you're not available, then that whole task gets pushed back, and it just you know it just annoys you really and just delays the whole process. So this really does help to nip everything in the bud when it comes down to remote working. Yeah. Um- I've got a little audio utility app called Ballast. I've um, I mentioned it on the podcast before, uh, quite a while ago, and basically what it does is um, there's a there's a little bug in um, macOS which uh, when I can't remember when it when it happens, but when your CPU is under like heavy load for some reason, mm. um, your volume drifts to the left or the right. Usually for me, it's usually to the left. And um, this little app, it basically just checks your audio balance every now and then, um, every few seconds, I think. And if it sees that it's not centered, it just shifts it back to the center. Right. Um, oh, actually, I, I do remember why it was happening. It was when I got my, my docking station. And I found that every time I had my docking station plugged in, my audio was only coming out of the left speaker. But as soon as I unplugged it, it would... And I reset it back to the to the center. It would stay in the center. Plug the plug the dock back in, and it would drift again. And I thought it was a a bug with the actual um, docking station, but it turns out that it happens for all sorts of reasons. So it is a macOS thing. It just so happens to be triggered by my dock. Um, and yeah, it just uh, runs in the background. Um, you can have it visible in your menu bar, or you can just have it hidden, which I have it. You know, I have it hidden by default. Uh, and it's cool. It also keeps a track of how many times it's rebalanced your audio. Um, so if you ever open up the app, you can see how many times this happened. Uh, it doesn't tell you when or anything like that. Or yeah, you 
why. But yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it's by a guy called Jamie Sinclair. J- Jamie Sinclair. And um, yeah, he's got a few little utility apps on his GitHub, so he's worth checking out as well. Uh, my next one, um, I'll just change it actually. It was something else. I've just realised um, you mentioning that Ballast app. I've got something similar with a, another bug with on the Mac, on the MacBook. Um, it's called No Crash MBP, and the MBP stands for MacBook Pro. Um, this thing, not a lot of people know about this, and the only reason why I have it is because my back, MacBook Pro has a has a problem, or it did have a problem. And what it would do is it would just randomly just turn itself off. Um, the screen will go blank, and then it'll still be running, even though the screen goes blank. And the fan start would start to get louder and louder and louder. There'll be more revolutions. It'll get faster and faster and faster. And then it will cut out completely and just die. And then hmm. you'd have to restart the Mac. You restart it, and then everything that you had open had is shut down so you've lost everything that you were working on essentially and then it just restarts you know from fresh and then you carry on working and then within about five minutes the same thing happens so i went to you know i went to the the mac store and i spoke to the technicians out there and they were trying to get it to happen in front of them and it happened right there and and they've not seen it happen before although this is this has been mentioned on the forums by quite a few people on different types of MacBook Pros, so different year, different releases. Um, so they couldn't figure it out, and they done a diagnostic check on it, and they couldn't find anything out, you know, out of the out of the norm. So they were like, "Well, it's going to be a logic board problem, right?" Because they couldn't figure out what it was. So they said, "You got to change the logic board," and that costs quite a bit of money. And I thought, "I'm not going to spend, you know, a lot of money on this thing. It's got to be something simple." And after some research, I spent weeks on this, maybe months, trying to find a solution. I came across No Crash MBP, and some guy out there has literally written this app for this specific problem. And I don't know the technical side. I don't know exactly what it's doing. But there is an issue within my actual MacBook Pro, and a lot of them have the same issue, where a lot of the multiple threads that are running are out of control. And they're not being, um, I don't know, they're not being monitored properly or God knows what. Um, but what this does is it keeps everything in check, right? So you're not you're not redlining your MacBook, basically. That's ex- that's essentially what it's doing. Something, without this app, something's telling the MacBook Pro you're redlining. Even when you, you might just have one application open. Mm. You might have no applications open. But something's telling it, the CPU, that, you know, it's redlining, turn it off, right? Wow. So this app, you know, it's there, it's running in the background and it prevents the Mac from, from shutting down randomly. And uh, I mentioned to the guys at, at the Mac store, and they're like, you shouldn't be, you know, running these unauthorized applications on your Mac anyway. And I said, well, it's helping me use the Mac without any problems now. So, and I, and I haven't spent like five, six hundred pounds on a new logic board. Yeah. And this app, this app cost me about five dollars. Yeah. One of payment. Yeah. Um, I'll get the guy's details, uh, the, the developer who created it, because a lot of people have downloaded it. And there's a lot of people out there using it now. Yeah, I think I found it. I've, well, I found it on this website called realmacmods.com. I did, that's that's the one. That yeah, the one? Okay. I think it was that. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, that's new. I know my my Mac does often get a black screen, but it's normally normally happens when um, it's normally triggered when I connect or disconnect an external monitor. That happens to mine as Sometimes well. Sometimes yeah. my screen stays black, and then it just won't come back on. And I can, the Mac is on, 
um, because like the 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 touch um, the trackpad is still responding and you know the caps lock um, light is still coming on and off and you know you can still hear sounds like if you press some keys you can hear like UI sounds of the of the Mac but there's just no way to bring it back and then you just have to do a hard re reset on it. Yeah, that's a signal thing. I've seen that as well, and there's just no signal being read. And the monitor will tell will tell will tell me the signal can't find a signal from from your MacBook. Yeah, bizarre. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Weird. But yeah, this this is pretty cool, and it's a couple of quid, and it's solving my problem for me. So yeah, MacBooks are weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like Apple need to hire this person who's created this app then and fix the issues. That's what I said because this problem is this guy has identified the issue. Like he has actually found what causes the problem, and he's able to fix it. But Apple won't do it, so they'll rather you spend the money on the the logic board. Yeah, well, that's Apple for you. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Um, my final one is uh, an app called Typora. I think I've talked about this before as well. It's a Markdown editor, and um, it's just a very lightweight, nice note-taking app. Um, all files are saved in Markdown. Um, it doesn't have any sort of like propriety uh, file format or it doesn't store the files in its own um, cloud, you know, repository anywhere like that. They're just files that are on your desktop uh, or on your own computer and uh, it's saved in a Markdown format. So the way I use it is um, I've got a folder in Dropbox and um, I just point this application. So point type or looks at that folder and um, it just loads up all the Markdown files as as notes in there, and it's just got really nice interface. It's um, the way it works is quite clever because a lot of Markdown apps they you write in Markdown, and then you get a preview next to it of the the rendered version of it, you know the rendered HTML. But Typora sort yeah. of combines the two, so you're writing in Markdown, and then in real time it's rendering it as HTML. But then if you want to go and edit that text, when you then either move your cursor back into there or you click onto, let's say, let's say you've you've typed out a markdown link. So you'll open your square brackets, you'll put in your your link text and then you'll open your your normal brackets, your rounded brackets, you'll put in your URL. And then as soon as you hit the space bar to go to go to your next word, it will convert that into an actual hyperlink. Right. But then once you want to, if you want to edit that, if you mouse back into that hyperlink, it converts it back into Markdown so you can edit it. And it's just, it's very slick. Um, like, although things jump around on the screen a little bit when that's happening, it's not really that jarring. It, you get used to it very quickly. And um, it's just a really nice way of working. And then you can then export that as HTML. Or you can export it as you know plain text or as a pdf or as you know as a markdown file so i tend to any blog posts and stuff that i'm writing on my website i tend to jot them down in type aura first uh do all my brainstorming and then i'll import that markdown file into my um into my gatsby website and then add in any like different variables and stuff like that i need to add in um and then that's it it's ready to publish so it's cool markdown and it's totally free nice I'll look into that one as well. Um, right, that's it from my list. I believe that's all of your list. Um, yeah, that's that's the lot. Cool. So, yeah, there's loads of utility apps, um, small little apps by indie developers. It's always good to support these developers as well. You know, generally they don't cost too much and it's worth throwing some money at these people because they are solving some really cool problems as well. And, um, 
So it was good to find these. So, yeah, good work. All you indie developers, keep it up. Yeah, definitely. So, as usual, links to all these apps will be in the show notes. Um, so you can view those and hopefully you'll download them. If you've got any that you like as well that we haven't mentioned, maybe let us know on Twitter at InspectorFem. Um, yeah, hit us up. Definitely. And uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. I mean, is it worth doing recommendations today? I mean, all of these apps are recommendations, I guess. Yeah, they're all highly recommended. I think what we could do is just ask the guys, the listeners out there, um, if you've got any 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 anything different that you guys swear by, then please you know hit us up on uh, Twitter at Inspector FM. Yeah, I always like finding new apps to try out. So mm. send us your apps. Nice one. Okay, we'll catch up with you soon then. Take care, man. Catch you soon. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe in your podcast player and feel free to drop us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter at InspectFM and you can find the show notes for today's episode and a full archive of all shows over at inspect.fm.